I'm Bianca Vivion, and this is Ask Viv. So welcome to episode 12. You guys know it's so crazy. I got such a phenomenal and completely unexpected number of responses to episode 11 of people just being like, I needed to hear this. And it was so wild because my immediate reaction was obviously gratitude and then a lot of fear towards episode 12 because I was like, I don't really know how I'm going to follow that up. But I realized that the nice thing about episode 11 was that it really was just a lot of brutal honesty with my Myself about where I was at. And so where I've been at in the last few weeks is kind of in this whirlwind and really, really deep frustration with, let's just call it the culture, American pop culture, Black popular culture, just watching people try to contend and make some sense of death because it seems that there's been so much of it between the suicide of Kate Spade and the passing of Anthony Bourdain and then the murder of two young rappers, one of which was a serial abuser. So people sort of trying to say something important about depression, about suicide, about abuse, but falling short because people really don't want to be honest about what death is. And so I know y'all don't want to talk about it because people rarely do, but today we're going to talk about death. And even more importantly than that, as a continuation of what we're always talking about, we're going to talk about how someone lives a life. Because I see now there's an urgency for this conversation and we absolutely need to talk about it together. As we're redundant and obvious as this may seem, when you die, your life is over. Meaning that there are no more choices, there's no more contemplation, there's no more pain, there's no more joy. Your life as you know it is gone. And me being a spiritual person, I like to believe that when people die, you're overcome with a sense of peace that is completely indescribable. You couldn't even know it. That is my conception of jhana, the highest level, the gardens of paradise. That is what I believe happens when you die. So I believe that when people die, that death on earth in this realm is completely the business of the living. And when I say the business of the living, I mean death is other people's problem. Whatever glory or legacy is to be had for you here will have to be completely fashioned by the people that you affected when you were on earth. Meaning whatever good that you did, it will be the responsibility of others to exalt it. And whatever evil you did, it will be responsibility of others to judge its significance. It will be the business of others to contextualize you in history. It will be the business of other people to decide whether or not you were a good or bad father or mother or sister or brother or cousin or friend or coworker. It will be completely the business of other people. And so for all of our obvious fear of mortality and fear of losing our own lives or even at worst giving our own lives away what we should be much more concerned with is the business of living because something that i've noticed over the last few weeks in this collective societal dialogue about death is that y'all are not comfortable living with regret and i know this because when this popular rapper xxx tentacion or i don't know how you pronounce it die who was a known serial abuser who literally beat a young gay boy within an inch of his life and beat a pregnant woman, tortured her and held her hostage for two days. And the whole collective narrative about this person 
was he had the potential to change and he was on the up and up. And whether or not that's true, it honestly revealed more to me about the people who said it than it did about the person they were talking about. Because I'm realizing that y'all believe that when you die, it mattered the potential that you still had. When you are dead, there is no potential. There is no room for change. It's over. Your life is actually an accumulation of your day to day. And I know that that is deeply fearful for everyone. It's deeply fearful for me, especially because it's been Ramadan and I've been in a state of peace and contemplation. I've been thinking a lot about what it means to live your day-to-day life because I have had to make peace with the fact that I've made these big plans for my life and I've made these huge goals because I just graduated and you're thinking, okay, now I'm going to build this into the world and this is going to be my dream and this is going to be my destiny and this is going to be marriage, this is going to be kids, this is going to be first home, this is going to be car. These are the thoughts that run through our mind on the day to day. But what I'm wanting to talk about with you all is that you might not get there. Making peace with death is understanding what it means to actually live a life. And living a life is your day-to-day actions, your day-to-day of how you treat people. There's no room to speculate on potential. You have to start asking yourself the question, what will I do if I do not get there? I've had to say to myself as of late, if I get there tomorrow, I'll be grateful. And if I get there years from now, I will be grateful. But if I never get there at all, I will be grateful because I'm mapping out my day-to-day in a way that will not only inform my legacy, but that I can be satisfied with who I am. Yes, I have dreams. Yes, I imagine myself having a destiny. Yes, I have things that I want to put out into the world, things that I want to do for others, things that I want to see for myself, security that I want to accomplish. But I'm having to remap out my mind from a time when I was young. Because when I was young, I used to literally keep my head down and I would look at all of the terrible things going on around me and I would think about growing up in poverty and not having enough. And I would think about the violence that my friends and I were subject to. And I was thinking about just my immediate environment and I would say to myself, just get past this. Just get to the other side. The entire time that I was in high school, I used to think, if you could just get to Columbia, it'll save your life. If you can just get to college, get an education, your life will never be the same. And I remember thinking when I hated college, okay, if you just get past college, you will get there. Guess what? That day is not coming. Ambition is a lie. Ambition is a lie that people tell themselves that it doesn't matter how they treat people on the day to day. It doesn't matter really what they do in their normal everyday life because one day they're going to become someone very important and very special and they're going to be absolved of any wrongdoing of how they treated people. That's the lie that materialism and capitalism and the culture has told everyone that it does not matter who you are now because once you transform yourself and the person you're going to be, that will cease to be of any importance. It's a lie. It is a fear of mortality that makes people say, live with no regrets. No, the reality of it is, is that if you are living a life that is worth living, you're going to have to on your day-to-day live with regrets. You're going to have to make peace with your failures. You're going to have to make peace with the ways that you fall short. You're going to have to find little joys on the day-to-day because this life, look around, this is it. That dream that you're working towards on the day-to-day, you're going to have to find pure satisfaction in the process because what if you
you don't get there. Sure, I think to myself every day, ask Viv, I hope that this turns into something that's nationally syndicated. I hope people write in from all over the world. I have a television show. I reach a global viewership, a readership. I hope that I publish books. But what if I don't get there? And I know you're thinking to yourself, oh no, you're getting there. You have to live this dual life where you're both having a larger plan for yourself and you're trying to follow your dreams and destiny, but you also have to live on your day-to-day and be satisfied with the ways that you're treating people and living on your day-to-day because this is it. The conversations that people have when people die about their mortality, when they talk about potential, it's just because they're fearful because they think, what if I'm not living right right now and I die right now and people are just going to remember me for who I was, not who I could have been. Yup. Yup. That's exactly how it's going to be. You have these crazy specious arguments. Well, people saying, well, you know, Malcolm X was abusive and then he turned into Malcolm X. So this could have been Malcolm X. I said, no, that's not how it works. Malcolm X woke up one day and decided, I don't want to be who I was anymore. And Malcolm X found out who Malcolm X was. A lot of people don't know anything about who they are. And so when they die, all of a sudden, people like to make up a bunch of iterations of who they could have been. That's not how death works. Death is an absolute end. And so I say this, not even out of preaching, because this is work that I'm doing in my own life. I want y'all to look around for real, look at your lives and say, these are my choices and look at the world that's being formed around you and say, this is how I'm interacting with it. If you see evil happening and you're complicit in it, guess what? That's who you are. If you have dreams that you have and they're being put off, guess what? Your dreams are dying. They're leaving you. I've always loved the Langston Hughes poem. I wonder what happens to a dream deferred. This is what happens to a dream deferred. This is the product of that. And I know that that confrontation of what if I don't get there seems scary and it seems like a weight, but in reality, it should be more exciting than it is scary. You should fall in love with the process of your life. You should like your life. You should not hate the things that you're doing. You should not hate your job. You should look back on your past and you should say, you know what? I'm making peace with the fact that I have regrets. I think about the time that I wasted with men and you know what? I regret that. But along with that regret becomes a conscious decision that I say to myself, if tomorrow comes, inshallah, that will not be my tomorrow. I am not wasting my life away on certain people. I am not making certain choices. I make a choice every single day when I wake up, every single word that I say to people, every single thing I do. And I said, this is my life and I'm going to live it by any means necessary because if someone takes it away from me tomorrow, I'm going to be satisfied with the fact that this one life that I have in this one realm, this one iteration of Bianca, I'm living it for her. That's how you live a life. That's how you live a life so that a death is meaningful. And if somehow you hate yourself, which a lot of people hate themselves, and if somehow you think about the violence that you've done to others or you've done to yourself or the hurt that you've caused others or you hurt yourself and you think, I hate that person, wake up tomorrow morning, look in the mirror and say, guess what? I'm not that person anymore. There came a time in my life where I was dealing with so much depression and I was in such a deep depth of complacency and complicity in my own hurt. And I looked in the mirror one day and I said, you know what? I think maybe I loved you. I don't know, maybe I hated you, but I'm not gonna be you anymore. And I'm not her anymore. And my day to day has been a distancing away from that person. That's the crazy thing is that when you're living right, you know what, you've already made peace with death. If it's me and him tomorrow, if it's just me and him, if I meet him at those gates, I'm good, I'm fine. For all the ambition that I have and for all of the different 
ways that I fashion my destiny in my own imagination, me and today, we're good. I've loved my friends. I've told the truth. I've been honest. My politics are solid. I've given love. I've received it. I've cherished it. I call my parents. I love myself. I exercise. I've eaten good food. I spend money on good clothes. I do right by others. And so I am good with myself. How many of us can say that? And that's my thoughts for the week. So with that being said, I'm going to get right into these questions because you know that's my favorite part. Dear Viv, I've lived a life that has always been about a sense of duty, a duty to my parents, my friends, over myself. I'm 22 now and I realize that I do not know what I want out of life. I know what others want out of my life, but not myself. I'll be out of university soon and I have no clue what I'm going to do after. I'm a bit lost and I wonder how I can find my true self and be unapologetic about it. You know what? I woke up on May 17th, the day after I graduated, and I said, you are completely free to be who you want to be. I hated college and I thought to myself, no matter what, that 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 degree is going to come to my mother's house and that is going to be the pride of my neighborhood and family. That's the narrative I had for myself. But now your life is yours. It's it's up to you. And that's why when I got right out of college, I didn't immediately apply for jobs. I wasn't filling out graduate school applications because I wasn't going to pretend that I had any concern whatsoever for what the older people in my life were thinking about what I was going to do with my life. Parents are tricky because you have to discern wisdom from control because a lot of times parents have our best interests in mind, but also when a lot of times parents want to fashion us in their own image. And the thing about it, is is that once you make a conscious decision to take control of your own life you really see how other people would rather have that control and it's not necessarily just your parents it's your parents it's your job it's the romantic partners you choose if you concede control to other people you have to believe that they will take it and so in that you have to be very relentless in defending yourself for what you want even against people who claim to have your best interest in mind because we all learn after a certain age like our parents are not omnipotent and a lot of the things that they want for us are because of things that they've been told that they should want for themselves and you now that you are 22 years old you're an adult you should be able to discern what of those things you also want for yourself and where you and your parents desires for your life diverge and in those ways you should choose for yourself the thing that older people don't tell you is that being young is special. Being young is special because your life is still available to you for your choosing and it's not yet forced into certain corners by choices that you've made. And the truth is your parents have made their choices. And if you admire your parents, then maybe in some ways you want to emulate their choices. But in some ways you want to be different. You want to be your own person. And so that starts right now. Because the thing is, is by default, we become our parents. We have to fight to not become our parents. If we let time pass and days go by and by, you'll find you just become your parents. I know that about myself. I know there are days where I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, you are aging and you look just like your mother and you talk just like your mom. And sometimes you get mad just like your dad. And it's only in the conscious decisions of diverging from that path do we become our own people. And it's so nice to be 22, you're legal. You know, you're of age, you're thinking I can go anywhere in the world that I want. 
I could become anything in the world. It's more useful to ask yourself at 22 than it is at the age of seven, what do I want to be when I grow up? I wish that they would have told me that. People don't tell you when you're 22, 25, 30, they don't say, ask yourself every day, what do I want to be when I grow up? It did not really matter what I wanted to be when I grew up at the age of seven because I was gonna have to be in school for so long and under the care of the state and in my parents' house that that question was so far off of being even realized that it really didn't matter. So ask yourself right now at 22, what do I want to be? Who do I want to be? What do I want to look like? What do I want to act like? And like I said, you have to start on that process. And that question has to be completely your own. And don't condition that question. Don't say, who would I be if I had a million dollars? No, say, who do I want to be? Who do I, who do I want to become eventually? I said I want to be a writer when I grow up. I write every single day, even if it's a paragraph, even if it's a a sentence, you know? I write every single day because I want to be a writer when I grow up. This This is who I want to be when I grow up. And if you're asking yourself, what do I want to be when I grow up? Who do I want to be when I grow up? And you're actually working towards that, then it'll make you unapologetic. I don't apologize for the things that I do that I do with complete intention. I don't. I had someone ask me just the other day, do you trust me? And I said, no, I don't think so. And I wasn't going to condition it and say, oh, I'm sorry that I don't trust you. I did say, oh, it makes me a little sad. But the reality of it is, is that I'm not giving out the trust that I used to give out. Because I said, when I grow up, I want to be a more discerning person. And so every day I'm becoming a more discerning person. Do you see how that works? You imagine yourself as something and then you start to work at it every day. And lo and behold, the magic of life, you become that person inevitably. Or you become whoever anyone else wants you to be. It's either one or the other. If you don't know who you are and you walk out into this world, friend, then the world will tell you who you are. And it is absolutely either or. You either walk out into the world and fake it, you say, guess what, I know who I am. Or the world will tell you exactly who you are. And you look around and you find that there's two types of people. Either people who know who they are or people who are having the world tell them. And guess what, it's an ugly world. And so you should be fearful of having that happen to you and you should be relentless and be like, you know what, I don't wanna be who my parents want me to be because that version of me is not great. Your parents will live vicariously through you and say, this is who I want you to be because guess what, that's who they wanted to be. And if you want to become your parents, then you better listen to exactly what they have to say. But if you don't, then you better start forming some opinions about yourself and asking yourself what and who do I want to be? And you better start working towards that person. Take it seriously. Read the literature on it. Go out and do the work. Meet the people that need you need to meet. Dear Viv, I am in my own mind 24-7 and need a break. I've always been a heavy thinker, but now it's becoming overwhelming and frustrating. I actually am contemplating if something is wrong with me because I can easily have full-blown made-up scenarios and conversations in my head. Do you have any advice for easing my thoughts? When I tell you this is so damn relatable because I'm one of those people that is so pensive, I am so always in my own mind. I can't escape it. And I used to think that I didn't ever want to do drugs or drink because I didn't ever want to be out of my own mind. And I, and like the other day when I was in Puerto Rico, I took an edible and it was the worst possible thing for somebody like me because I didn't realize that drugs don't actually take you out of your head. They just heighten whatever is already in it. I had no idea because I really have never 
never been someone who's ever done drugs. I took an edible and I was tripping. I was hallucinating. It was like everything in my mind became HD and I had a crazy panic attack until I basically passed out. And so I guess one, I'm saying I don't recommend drugs because it's not actually a form of escapism, but you do need to find other avenues of peace. For me, I've always loved to dance and I love to dance not just because it is such a relief and such a sort of spiritual ascension for me. It's also one of those things where the more that you get into your body, the less you are in your mind. And you realize that sure, they are two very deeply interconnected things, but at the same time, they're separate and that you can escape in your body when you don't want to be in your mind. You can trust your shoulders, you can trust your gut, you can, you know, trust your back and your legs to carry you forward to a different place that your mind cannot take you. And so I find when people are very sedentary and they lead lifestyles where they're not really ever exercising or ever moving, it's not just bad for your body, it's bad for your mind. Because if you've ever actually had the endorphins of exercise, or if you've ever really danced and got into that spiritual in-between in which it's just you and music or just you and your body, then you understand that it takes a weight off of your mind in a way that other things can't. So I recommend dancing, even if you think that you can't dance. Usually people that say they can't dance is because they're so stuck in their mind, they have no idea how to move their body. So if you try to dance, you'll be able to dance. Everyone is born knowing how to dance. Second of all, I would say you need to share your thoughts with other people. And I'm telling you this, like I'm telling you, we're right eye to eye. I'm somebody who thinks way too much. I'm always in my head. I get out of my head by talking to other people about what's going on in my head. Do you know why I made a podcast? I made a podcast because I had so much stuff on my mind at one point and I remembered how nice it was when I had worked at NPR and when I worked in radio going into a silent room and being able to just voice my thoughts out loud to just say this is what I'm thinking about was such a deep sense of relief for me and I had not done that in years and I said I need to go back to that place where I can just say out loud what I'm thinking and you can choose to say it to an audience or you can actually just talk to yourself out loud honestly and I know people think that talking to yourself out loud is crazy it's not I do it all the time absolutely all the time but also third and last point is to not convince yourself that you're crazy for thinking too much you're not don't get into the point of trying to make it a pejorative thing because if you do then your thoughts will only breed evil and you'll start to convince yourself that you're doing something or that something is happening to you that is not So you have to trick yourself out of it and just say, oh, I think a lot. And so I need to find other avenues of things to do with my mind. Sometimes you have to do really mindless things that challenge your brain, but don't make you think. Like I play a lot of Tetris. I know that that's really (laughs) random, but I play a lot of, I play a lot of Tetris and it's just a way of me to honestly for hours and hours, like I can let my thoughts go just playing Tetris, get a really high score. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I was out of my mind for a good hour and a half. Dear Viv, I have been dating a man for a year now. I loved him so much and still do. However, he started cheating on me with a white woman and left. I've never been so angry and hurt. I've been comparing and picking myself apart. My hair, my skin, my body, everything about me. I've been made to feel like I'm the problem and it's making me lose sleep. I've tried calling. He's ignored all my calls. At this point, I'm done. I'm just hurting and lost and unfortunately numb. 
girl, I've been here. Like, I've been right where you are. And I'm when I tell you I've been here, embarrassingly enough, I've been in the same exact situation. I was with a guy for a year, and it was kind of going south, but I was not being honest to myself about the fact that it was ending. And so then when it ended, he cut me off very randomly, started ignoring my phone calls, and the next time I heard of him, it was when my friend was at one of his gallery shows, and he had a white girlfriend. So that's the exact same thing has happened to me. And when I tell you my biggest regret is how much time I took to get over it. People say when you break up with someone, take as much time as you need to let yourself feel what you feel and let yourself hurt. And I'm here to tell you, don't. Actually force yourself out of it. Because in the time that we say we're getting over pain, what we're actually doing is making someone and something in our head to be something that it's not. I can guarantee that if you're anything like me, which you are, because like I said, girl, we're in the same exact situation, that you're telling yourself that this was actually a really good relationship and that if you had another chance, then it would really work out and that you don't understand why it went wrong because y'all were really good for one another. And guess what? That's a lie because you just said here that he cheated on you. And then you saw him with a white woman, which obviously means that he has a particular choice of who he desires and what is in his mind. And it's not you. It was never you. And I think that that's a very frustrating thing for us. And I told my friend this the other day because he had been rejected by a guy that he really liked and he was just like so disappointed about it and I said you know what sweetie get over it because it was never you I think about the times that I invested time in men who at the end of the day were not either were not ready or would not choose me and the worst thing I could have done for myself is taking time to do the mental math of trying to make some sort of simulation scenario in my head in which they chose me that man never chose me. And when I look back on, and I told my truth about the day-to-day of our interactions, about the times when he could choose between kicking kicking it with his homies or kicking it with me, when he could choose between spending his last dollar on some bullshit or on me, it was always the other thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Look look at your, look at this situation and say to yourself, it, it was not him randomly saying, oh, I'm choosing another woman. He chose the other woman in every aspect of his life every day that you were together. Really look at it if it was choosing between you and his time it was his time you and his money it was his money it just happened to be that at the end it ended up being some girl but don't put it all on the girl because men make choices every single day when they're in relationships and this man was not choosing you and so you need to go out in the world and choose yourself first and then once you choose yourself for long enough you go out in the world and you find a man and the next time you make sure that man chooses you I've met men who have a lot to to give and don't give a lot. Do you hear me? Because I need you to hear me. I've I've known men who have a lot to give and do not give a lot. And somehow in my mind, I always wondered, why is this man not giving me this when he has it to give? Because some men don't have it to give. Some men are broke. Some men are pained to the point of unlovability. Some men have nothing to give. And the worst thing you could do is try to take anything from those men. Let someone else have that ass. And then other men, they're selfish. And they could have a lot to give. And you could think to yourself, this is a great man. He has so much to offer. He's not offering it to you. He's not. For real. And I'm saying this out of love because this is what I wish someone would have told me. And I'm telling you that you have to adopt some urgency towards this situation and you have to decide to let this go because this man took a year of your life. Are you going to give him another year? I said in the last episode that you have to tell yourself the truth about heartbreak. 
or you risk becoming a product of that heartbreak. Tell yourself the truth about who this man was to you. Tell yourself the truth about what he did to you because if you tell yourself the truth, there's no way that you could feel sorry for yourself. There's no way that you could be free of that influence of your life and think, woe is me. You would be rejoicing. At the end of the day, three years later, I saw this guy on the street and I laughed to myself. I said, why, why, how, what? And then I just kept it pushing. It became a joke of my to myself. Never in a million years could I have imagined that someone who seemed like they had broken me could become an afterthought. But that difference lies in one thing, and that is in the power of the mind. What we choose to tell ourselves about what happened to us. Hey, you can do it. I know you can. My friends nursed my heartache and told me as long as it takes. As long as it takes. And you know what it took? It took too long. And in the year that I was crying and gaining a lot of weight and basically abusing myself and wondering and thinking, oh, you're not this and you're not that, this man was out there chilling with who knows what and who knows where. And when I saw him, he didn't even have anything adequate to say. When it was time to apologize, the apology fell short. The closure that you want, it's never going to come. How about that? What if I told you it's not coming? Like I said earlier, what are you doing if that, if that closure is not coming? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're making a choice right now to say, I see this thing for what it was, something toxic. I love myself, so I'm letting it go. Maybe yesterday I played the fool. Today is not that day. Dear Viv, what is your opinion on Kanye West and the idea of black male genius? I think that this whole notion of black male genius is completely false and the ones that you're calling geniuses are not geniuses and the ones that are or were geniuses were put to the wayside because actually genius is never welcomed in society believe it or not martin luther king jr was a genius and when i say he was a genius i mean he was a bona fide genius like absolutely his writing his prophetic voice his ability to discern right from wrong was genius in a way that was higher than the average level of society. Kanye West is a talented man, period. He's talented. And you know what? Talented people are a dime a dozen. I know plenty of them. I know so many talented people. But when you do not have a basic sense of empathy, because kindness is a kind of intelligence, when you cannot discern history and how it materializes in the present, you cannot be a genius. Kanye has no real understanding of history. Kanye seeks for material wealth and he seeks to emulate people who are, his, his heroes are Walt Disney and Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, who's still enslaving half of East Asia in sweatshops. Walt Disney, who is a virulent anti-Semitic and racist. It's just like, what's the standard for this genius? He's just a talented guy. And I think that black male genius Genius is one of those things that it makes it so that people are absolved of any responsibility to the communities that support them because we think that genius operates on a higher level and that is separate from everyone else. False. Real genius is saying I don't stand above where I come from and I don't stand beneath the people I now stand beside. Kanye West loves white people. Kanye West has always wanted to enter whiteness and everyone that Kanye keeps around him wants to do the same thing. The other day I was telling my friend that Kanye West actually to me is a lot more like Michael Jordan. Nobody calls Michael Jordan a genius because he was great at basketball. Michael Jordan was a great basketball player. Are we looking to Michael Jordan to make him a community leader? No. Our is still getting killed over Jordans? Yes. This need to make musicians specifically into some kind of 
genius because they're extremely talented is a farce. And it's because we don't want to seek out actual leaders for our community because the leaders that we would choose would actually tell us that we need to change. Do you know why people hated MLK? Do you know why people hated Malcolm X? Because they said, you're not living right. You need to change. What Kanye does is say, actually, you're living great. Keep going. All you need to do is accumulate more. Become richer. We as a community need to immediately stop conflating genius and talent or you're going to be seeking to emulate people who have none of your best interest in mind and also you're going to be thinking deeply about the shallow shit that they say because you think that they're geniuses. If someone says slavery is a choice, it should not merit 20, 30, 40 think pieces. And you know why it does? It's because we've said to ourselves, Kanye West is a genius. And so what he does and says deserves to be analyzed the way that a genius's work would. No, Kanye West is not Michelangelo. Kanye West is not Leonardo da Vinci. Kanye West is not W.E.B. Du Bois. Kanye West is a talented musician and producer. Kanye West is a talented performance artist. No one can ever take that away from Kanye West. But Kanye West, guess what? He's not much more than that. Dear Viv, I've recently started getting close to my younger brother again. He's in high school now and I've been away, so I wasn't there during a lot of his formational years. I've realized he's lonely and insecure. He's such a good person with a pure soul, but he's had a tough time making and keeping friends. Sometimes I feel partially responsible. I can tell he wants to be more confident and social. How can I help him? Younger siblings are tough. I have younger siblings and you really want them to just be the person that you know that they can be when you see a lot of potential in them. But the reality of it is, is that they're going to be their own people and they're going to have their own path. And so I think that the best thing, and this is honestly advice I need to take myself, is one, don't judge them and honestly be a friend to them. And this is not just with younger siblings. If you see people in your life that you want to be better, then you have to be a friend to them. You have to be encouraging you have to be complimentary you have to boost their confidence through constant affirmation you have to do the work of being a friend so that if you're the only person in the world telling somebody i like who you are and you should like yourself too then that person will always have that siblings are special and i think about my siblings all the time and you know what i talk to my older sister every day and she calls me up and sometimes she says discouraging things about herself or sometimes she'll complain to me about things that her friends have said or done to her and i think i'm gonna be a friend to her because if she doesn't have another whole friend in the world I am her god assigned friend maybe your younger brother has trouble making friends but are you being a friend to your younger brother and not in a cliche or patronizing way are you somebody that he can talk to about sex are you somebody that he could talk to about his fears and his own dreams because if you're not being a friend for him then there's no point wanting a friend for him in the world because there's not a thing that you can do about him making friends but you can be a friend to him and also if you're wanting him to be a certain way Way, make sure when you step out into the world that you're being that person because you can't want your brother to be an outgoing and social person and love his life if you're exhibiting something that's completely opposite or contrary to that. I think that a lot of the difficulty is with empaths is that they want things for other people that they don't seem to want for themselves. That's often the case, honestly, is that you say, oh, I really would like this person to be this way, but don't ask yourself, am I that way? And this is not just empaths. This is basically everybody. I remember I started cussing in my house when I was like 16 years old. And to be quite honest, there wasn't a damn thing my mother could do about it because parents always want to kind of be like, do as I say, not as I do. And it just does not work like that. My mother cussed like a sailor growing up. It was always bitch this and fuck 
that. So when it came time and I was really stressed, when I got some real stress up on my back at 17, that started to be what I sounded like. As the great James Baldwin says, our children always fail to do as we say, but they never fail to do as we do. So just make sure you're the type of person that you would want your younger brother emulating. And I guarantee that these kids, they turn out fine. Like they say, the kids are all right. Better than us, honestly. My younger siblings, they're gonna be better than me. I know it. And for all the frustration that they cause me, and sometimes I wonder about their character, there's not a doubt in my mind they're gonna go out into the world and be better than I am. Because if they don't, then I didn't do my job, period. So that's all the time that we have for today. It's been real as ever. Y'all, it's summertime. Summertime is the best time to go through a change. You know, in the winter, we're kind of just waiting. We're pensive, we're in our thoughts, we're planning out our next moves. Like summertime is time for action. If you want something for your life, go out and get it. If you're seeking love, go find it. I've already decided for myself, this is gonna be the best summer of my life. And look, it's already shaping up to be the best summer of my life. I'm actually headed to the beach right now. This time, last week, I was on the beach in Puerto Rico. I'm living my best life. Are you living your best life? That's really all I wish for y'all. If you if you look around and you don't see or understand anything else, understand this is the only life that we got. So I hope that you're living it because you know what? It's yours to live. So with that being said, more life, more life, more life, more love. I'm Bianca Vivion, and this is Ask Viv. You say you trust us, but don't pick the phone up I like we need something to you, I know you doing you I call your brother on the landline He said you ain't never got no downtime You always working so late, hope that you safe If any been missing you, you gon' come back this way You know it's real out here for us It's like you don't care enough But out here, baby boy, so far gone So strong and I don't trust no one at all Far away from you I've already paid my dues I don't got a lot but I'm making do I'm trying just to get along Honey water from holy water Your children is slaying daughters Who gon' go to hell for me? Trying to give myself a reason to keep up leaving the season at least far from me. Say, boy, don't talk to me. Move from around my way. Can't judge around my way.